please pray with me. Father, as we enter into your word this morning, I just, I pray that my words would be your words, Father. I pray that what you want to convey to people this morning, Father, that that's what would come out. And Father God, I just, I pray over the people here that again, that we would just have hearts of understanding to learn what it is you have for us. So God, I just pray that you'd bless our time together this morning as we dive in. In your name, amen. All right, so this, this is our second week starting to look at how Paul is telling us to live out the gospel that he, he talked about in the first half of the letter to the Ephesians. It's how we live out our relationship with God. Now, we didn't read the second half of chapter 4. It kind of sets up some of the, the stuff here. Um, and if we look at it, Paul tells us that we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in futility of their minds. And that's from verse 17. This is something that Paul himself worked through. He's, he's one of the biggest examples of, of someone who changed their mindset. I mean, Paul went from Saul to Paul. He went from persecuting Christians to lifting up Christians. He changed his mindset. God changed his mindset. And we see a lot of examples of this throughout media and stuff. I mean, that's, that's what makes a story. That's character development, right? We go from being a bad person to being a good person. I won't give too many specific examples because I can sometimes go off on my nerdy rants. But Iron Man would be one of them. I'm just going to throw that out there. Tony Stark, I have to. He went from being somebody ignorant of what he was doing in the world to realizing that there was a problem and he needed to try to fix it. Now, we see throughout the 15-year saga or however long that was, that he's always going about it the wrong way. And we know as Christians that he was doing it without God. So Paul tells us that we need to live a new life. We need to put off your old self and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. And again, that's from chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. So he's telling us that it's, it's a transition. We need God involved in that. It's not just, okay, I'm going to stop doing bad things and start doing good things. We need to let God work through us in that. So this week, we're looking at the gospel's effect on our lives and the call to live differently. So again, chapter 4 there, we, we read that we are to walk worthy, or walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So we're going we're gonna to look at three... Th- uh, or Three things, three ways that we can walk this out. So the first that Paul talks about in chapter 5 is that we need to walk in love. So here we see the, the, the huge instruction, and, and, and it seems like a massive undertaking, to be imitators of God. Right there. First, flat out, right in front of us. Be imitators of God. But notice that Paul's continuing here with his his adoption illustration. 
He says that we do it as beloved children. So this continues all through what he's, what he's telling us. So kids want to be like their parents. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I need to stop telling stories about my kids because I embarrassed one of them the other, time, uh, other day. But Amelia, she's, she's too small to be embarrassed. Amelia, if, if I'm not at home, I have a spot on the couch. I have a specific spot with a pillow behind my head. It's just comfy. That's where I sit. If I'm not there, she climbs up into that spot and tries to rest her head back where my pillow is and everything. Like She completely tries to imitate me. And kids want to. So as, as Christians, as children of the Father, that's, that's something that should just be built in. Like I said, we don't have a relationship with Jesus without desiring to change. Something has to change, and we want to be like God. So we're called to strive to be like our adopted father. And we talked a bit last week about what that looks like with unity. And Paul circles back around to talk about how the father loves us and how that uh, ties in with imitation. We share the love that God has for Jesus. We share in that love. His very own son. We share in the love that he has for his son because we are adopted. We are equal heirs in the inheritance. So that includes equal shares of his love. Now remember, and this is repeated constantly throughout the letter, that God's whole self is involved into his relationship with us. The love that he shows is everything. He gives everything to the the relationship that he has with us. So then, what does it look like to love like the Father? Earlier on in the letter, in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we don't actually deserve grace. We remember that, right? There's nothing that we can do to ever earn it but we're still given grace. Even if we don't deserve it, we're given grace out of the Father's love. And as children of the Father then, we should be known for practical acts of mercy. Some, some good biblical examples here. Caring for orphans and widows out of James, James 1.27. Practicing hospitality out of Romans 12.13. Caring for the poor, which we see, we didn't read that part in Ephesians, but Ephesians 4.28. Giving particular attention to those within our fellowship. From Galatians 6.10. And showing kindness and forgiveness to one another. Again, Ephesians 4.32. These are all practical acts of mercy. Things that we can easily do. Especially if we've got God behind us on it, which... God is behind us on it. If we're willing, they're easy to do. So then the next verse tells us to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So this is a description of the type of sacrificial love that we're supposed to display. We see the ultimate example 
of sacrificial love in what Jesus did for us on the cross. I mean, you can't go much further than giving up your life for someone. So we're not necessarily called to give up our physical life, our time in that way for someone, but we're still called to sacrifice of ourselves in order to build up others and in order to invite others into our adoptive family, right? And this is really challenging in our culture today. It's really challenging to show this type of love because it's countercultural. We're, we, we live in a me culture. We live in a culture where it's all about how much money I can make. What can I get out of this? How can I benefit? But there's some really great examples of this kind of love found in Acts. Acts 2, 44 to 45 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were giving up everything they had to make sure that they were all taken care of, that they were looking after each other. Acts 4.32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. There's our unity. And no one said that any of, these, uh, any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Again, it's not about me. It's about God and God's family. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around today. But they gave everything they had to show love to others. So because of the love that we've been shown by God himself, we need to walk in that same love for others. That's the kind of love that we're called to. The same kind of love that God has shown us. So we walk in love, but we also walk in light. We are called to walk in light. So we need to know again here our change in identity. Paul says, for a one time you were darkness. You were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So here he's not saying that we were walking in darkness and then walking in light. Rather that we were darkness. We were darkness. And now we are light. That's a change in identity right there. Not in a change in what we're doing, but a completely separate change in identity. So we're, we're to walk as children of light. And that's fantastic, but it sounds kind of complicated. What does that actually mean? We were darkness, we were light, now we need to walk as children of light. Paul breaks it down for us, though. So first, we need to exalt God, not idols. Okay? We need to exalt God and not idols. So Paul starts off by mentioning several sins um, that we're not going to go into a lot of detail about. Again, Ephesians, I could probably spend months preaching on now that I've learned. I won't make that mistake again. Um, But there's sins that grow out of a heart that has replaced God with idols. The sins that we're talking about are things that are replacing God. We're filling essentially the God-shaped hole in our heart with something that isn't God-shaped. 
And there's a lot more idols than what's just listed here, but these are, these are the ones that Paul is talking about. So it's, this isn't an exclusive list. These sins are things that are very self-centered ways of thinking. It's all about us filling what's missing within us. They don't glorify God. Instead, they gratify our own sinful desires. Again, we're making it about us and not about God. Another repeating theme in Ephesians. And this is why Paul says that we should instead give thanks. A gentleman named Klein Snodgrass. I'm sorry if that's wrong. It's a funny name, and I'm sorry if I'm saying it the wrong way. He says, Thanksgiving is an antidote for sin. For it is difficult, impossible even, to both give thanks and sin at the same time. I'm going to repeat that. Thanksgiving is an antidote for sin, for it is difficult, even impossible, to both give thanks and sin at the same time. And that's the thing. We need to walk with God. If we are constantly in communication with God, if we're giving thanks, it helps. It, it absolutely helps. I mean, that's, that's imperative. That's one of the biggest part of our Christian lives is that connection with God. And that's what this is. Giving thanks. We're, we're praying. We're thanking God. Sin can't creep in when we're doing that. And so we get a warning about this kind of behavior, too. Those who fall to these idols and start following them will have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. From verse 5, there is no inheritance. That's a, that's a pretty stern warning. It's not often that it's like a, it ends here, the buck stops here. But that's, that's what Paul is telling us. We will have no inheritance in the kingdom if we are following these idols. It shows us the gravity of what's at stake. So that was my point one, which was we need to exalt God and not idols. We also need to exhibit the fruit of light. So by not joining those in darkness... That's how we do this. We exhibit the fruit of light by not joining those in darkness. Verse 7 says, Therefore, do not become partners with them. So we're called to be salt to the world, to be the light in the world, and befriend those outside of faith. We are. But that doesn't mean that we join in what they're doing. We're not called to sin and idolatry. Befriending people doesn't mean that we share the darkness with them. That isn't how it works. Our light is supposed to penetrate the darkness and work its way in there. We also exhibit the fruit of light by living out our identity. So remember... We're to walk as children of light. We aren't ourselves 
light without God. Without God, we're darkness. So, we walk as children of light. We are light in the Lord. He is light, and we are in him. Therefore, we are light. Easy to process, right? So because we're light, we're called to pursue total holiness in the eyes of God, who has made us new people. He has given us the 360 direction. No, 180. 360 would put us going back in the same direction. Sorry, bad at math. Well, angles anyway. Um, so we're, we're called to be holy. We're called to walk as children of light. So we're also going to exhibit the fruit of light by doing all that is good, right, and true. All that is good, right, and true. So fruit of the light describes the result of dwelling in God's light. We dwell in God's light, there's fruit from that. And that, those are the things that are good, right, and true. So God is good, right, and true. So if we are imitating him, like it says in verse 1, we are going to be doing things that are good, right, and true. So therefore, we're supposed to imitate those things. And I printed this off and somehow deleted a section. So bear with me two seconds. We'll see if I can do this from memory. Mm. That's, that's always scary. My memory is not, not good. We are also called to... Excuse me a second. We are called to not take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So that is the third way that we're involved. Or uh, not involved, sorry. The third way that we walk in the light. We expose the darkness. Again, we're called to be light. If you bring a lantern into a pitch black room, that light exposes what's in the darkness. And that's, that's part of what we're called to do. Again, we're, we're called to befriend the people who don't know God, the people who are living in darkness. We don't put out our light when we go into a dark room, right? We still want to expose the darkness, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring God into the darkness. So that's how we walk in light. Uh, sorry. There is more in depth, but I can't recall it off the top of my head about what that meant, and so I apologize that I deleted part of my sermon. We're also called to walk in spiritual, or sorry, spirit-filled wisdom. So that's the third way that we walk out life with God. Spirit-filled wisdom. So we're told to look carefully then how we walk in verse 15. And he continues on. There's a few, few things that he's pointing out here. Not as unwise, but as wise. So again, we gain wisdom in several ways. We surround ourselves with the wise. 
and that's advice from Proverbs. We ask God, we pray, we be in communication with God. Again, Proverbs, James talks about that. And we study the life of Jesus. We study the gospel. So we have to be wise, not unwise. We have to walk that way. We make the best use of our time. Who spends too much time on Facebook? Oh, nobody else is putting up their hand. I was going to say, I'm the only one here. I try to be off of it because it's so toxic these days, but I still spend too much time on there. I spend too much time sometimes watching TV. I spend too much time wasting away time, essentially. So we're cautioned not to waste away our time. The time is limited, and we only have so much time to share the gospel. And we don't know how much time that is. Yeah, I'm almost 35. That doesn't mean I have another 40 years. We're called to impact the world right now. Be wise with our time. Be that light now, not later on once I'm done having my wild teen years and, or, I mean, 35, I shouldn't be having wild teen years anymore, but don't waste away your time. Don't think that you've got infinite time. And Paul tells us that the days are evil and we need to, essentially, we need to be um, passionately shining our light while we can. And honestly, you know what? Not that the days were any less evil back then, but I feel like the evil is so much more readily available and deceptive and manipulative these days. Again, I'm throwing Facebook under the bus. (laughs) It's just so easy to access evil now. So we need to be passionate about shining our light, exposing the darkness. So then we need to understand what the, the will of the Lord is. Verse 17, we need to understand what God has called us to, and I talked about that within the last couple of weeks, where we need to be attentive to what God is calling us to. If things aren't going the way we want it to, we need to to step up and find a new way to do things. Anita, can I use you for a second? Yes? Anita is a perfect example. Anita changed the way that she does ministry. When we were doing our study together, she, you were doing eight, nine, nine studies at the same time. She would jump from hours into another one an hour later and had them several nights throughout the week. Did you do anything online before that, really, for studies and whatnot? No. Anita found a different way to fulfill her calling. God was still very much active, and she didn't let restrictions stop her. Thank you for letting me use you as an example. <laughs> um, but that's, that's it. We need to be attentive to God and listen to what he's calling us to. That's a mark of wisdom. And we need to understand the image that we are to reflect as well. So again, that's part of spending time in the word. 
in the gospel, understanding God and Jesus and what that reflection should look like. We need to be filled with the Spirit from verse 18. We accomplish these things by letting the Spirit dwell within us. Remember, it's our guarantee. The Spirit is our guarantee of what's to come. It's a small, small taste of what's to come. And it helps us stay connected to God. Because, again, it's that guarantee of what's to come. It's that presence of God with us all the time. So if it's a small taste, I mean, ultimately, God is the wisdom that we're looking for. We want that wisdom. We need to stay connected with the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. So we're going to tie it all together now. Everything we've talked about this morning, we're going to quickly tie it together. Quickly. We know me. We're called to walk in a manner worthy of our call. And Paul describes what that is to us. We need to walk in love. So we need to reflect the love that God's shown, which is love full of mercy, love full of sacrifice. And we need to start asking God what he wants or how he wants us to show this love. So that ties together to the wisdom piece. He wants us to show love. We need to ask him how and be attentive. Okay, thank you. We also need to start asking God how he wants us to show this love. In what way, I said that, are we supposed to be showing this love? So it might mean giving of ourselves, and it might be uncomfortable for us. But again, remember, it's not about us. It's about God. And I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but that's very much the point. It might be uncomfortable for us, but it's not more than we can handle. It never will be. God will never ask more of us than we're able to do, than we're able to give. We need to get past the idea that we need something in return. Or that it won't cost us anything. That's just not how God's love is. Let's be honest. We need to walk in the light, which basically means exalt God and not idols. We need to use the antidote that we've been given, right? The way of of avoiding those idols. So giving thanks to counteract our sinful desires. We need to keep our focus on God first, essentially is what that boils down to. And we, we need to exhibit the fruit of the light. So we can't join in the darkness Just because we're spending time with people in darkness, it doesn't mean that we join in the darkness. We need to live up to God's standard in our interactions with people. And we need to live out our new identities as children of the light. And we do this by doing what is good, right, and true. And then we need to walk in spirit-filled wisdom. So again, we need to surround ourselves with wise people and constantly be in conversation with God and his word. And I really can't sum it up any better than that. Uh, as a lot of the youth would attest, my, some of my big things are read your Bible and pray every day. Those are a couple of the big things that we need to do. And that's how we walk in spirit-filled wisdom. 
there's no greater source of wisdom than God. And it all comes down, all of this little package comes down to imitating the Father. Because God is love. His whole being, he loves us with. He's light. And he's wise. So to truly imitate God is to reflect these things. And not in our own power. We need God to help us reflect these things. It comes from a relationship where we fully rely on him. Do you trust anybody that you have a surface-level relationship with? Probably not. If you've just met somebody in passing and never really gotten to know them, there's no trust built there in that relationship. We need to know God to be able to fully trust him, and that comes from spending time in the word So my encouragement this week is give it a shot. Again, I can't put it more simply than that. Give it a shot. Let's all try to fully rely on God. Ooh, those bracelets from like 20 years ago. Frog. Fully rely on God. Sorry if that was outside of anybody's remembrance. There was the what would Jesus do, frog, all of those. Yes, fully rely on God. Let's try to fully rely on God this week in a manner that's worthy of our calling. Let's walk with God. I'm going to pray real quick here, and then I'm going to invite Velma up as we move into the Lord's Supper today. Um, It's wonderful that we're able to come back to that, and so thank you to Donna and Janet for helping prepare that this morning. So would you pray with me, please? Father God, I, I find it so fitting that we, we enter back into this time of, of um, communion with you. This time of remembrance of what you've done for us as we're talking about how we live out and reflect what you've done for us. And Father, as we move through this week, I just I pray a blessing over everyone here, everyone who's online, Father. I pray that you would be with them and that that you would be communicating with them what it is their next step is. Father, guide their steps as they walk with you, that we would all be light, that we would all be in spirit-filled wisdom. Father, and that we would be a reflection of your love that we wouldn't miss the point and miss opportunities to show your love to people, Father. So as we move to remembering the power of that love that you have for us, Father, I just pray a blessing over this family, Father. I ask these things in your name. Amen.